it started with this random guy from Illinois that was like, jump in front of your food truck. And like, this is what became of it. So just say yes. The momentum it could set up for you, you have no idea. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Casey O'Hollick. Today on the podcast, we interview Alexa Alfaro, co-owner of Meet on the Street. In addition to her time at Meet on the Street, Alexa has also joined us on the podcast three times now. You can check her out on our Milwaukee Talkie Elevation and Milwaukee episode. Today, though, Alexa joins us as part of our upcoming themed episode, The Jackins. The Jackins is an annual party and awards program that celebrates the badass achievements of area businesswomen who are making a difference in the greater Milwaukee community and who support one another. The event is presented by Emily Phillips, 40 Under 40 recipient, TEDxUW Milwaukee speaker, and much more. The winners are decided by Emily and her trusted tribe of friends. You'll meet Emily in a later episode, but for now, just know she's one of a kind, one of Milwaukee's biggest fans, and totally invested in world domination for good. After the episode, make sure to go online and check out Bridge the City's upcoming events. We're excited to share with you two events next week. On Wednesday, November 13th, our political open mic, and Thursday, November 14th, PodFest MKE. We'll share more details at the end of the episode, or you can check out our website. Alexa Alfaro is an Alaskan-born Milwaukeean. In 2014, her and her brother Matthew opened Meat on the Street, Milwaukee's first Filipino food truck. Alexa was awarded Risk Taker at the Jackins this year. Keep listening to learn why. My name is Alexa Alfaro, and I am the co-founder of Meat on the Street, which is a Filipino storefront and food truck in the greater Milwaukee area. And then I own and operate the business with my brother, Matt. When I was in elementary school, I'm lucky enough to still have the same friends in elementary school as I do today. So they've been rocking with us a long time. We would always joke about Ray's Kitchen and Ray is my dad's name or it was going to be called Ray's Place, I think. And the reason we would joke about it is because my dad is this insanely talented home chef, like a lot of them out there are, you know? Right. I basically like grew up with my own personal chef. Like it was, it was incredible and amazing. And so when we would go to parties, people would always ask us to bring food and the pork sticks, the pork barbecue sticks sure. were a huge hit. So it kind of started there where people would be like, you need to open up your own restaurant. You need to do this. You need to sell this. For my birthday party growing up, I would always beg for Filipino food. And it's it's not like just a tray. Like when you would come over, it was just like you were expecting hundreds of people to show up with the quantities of food. Right. And that's a very typical of a Filipino party. It's just we center around food. Um, so food is love in our household. So that's kind of how it started very subconsciously. As we got older, I was in engineering school and you know, it was very interesting. I like math. It's black and white. There is a concrete answer that you're going to obtain. Sure. There's no gray area. It works best for how um, my brain is wired. But I wasn't happy. And I was like looking around. I'm like, you know, there's no Filipino food. And like, it's a very weird thing to say. But like, I like making people happy with food. And a big reason is because like, it is one of it's a very unique product in that we cannot communicate, you know, maybe you can't see I can't hear whatever we can be drastically different. But if you put food down in front of us, we know to eat it and we can share a meal and an experience in a moment. And so I wanted to emulate that. And like the love that is shared with 
in our culture with others through food. So that's kind of like how it started. And there was no Filipino food at the time. And I was like, Dad, like you can invest in me and my brother, Matt. Matt was 19. I was 24. Um, And I was like, we should do this. Like people love the food. It'll be great. And my parents were, I don't know, my parents were crazy enough to be like, sure, Alexi, you can quit your engineering internship and drop out your senior year. And sure, your 19 year old brother will drive this food truck around and you guys will just make it work. Like I don't, they're just very supportive parents. They always were. They always were like, you can do anything as long as you're willing to work hard. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So as of now, Meat on the Street is the only Filipino food vendor in Milwaukee. Um, there's currently that we know of, there's two other mobile units. Um, one is Lumpia City and what Lumpia is, is it's a Filipino egg roll, but Lumpia City does a more modern take on it where they put Americanized fillings in it. So like mac and cheese, spinach, artichoke. Okay. And then there is another truck that popped up recently called Bad English MKE. I believe he is the chef of Hotel Madrid or was, and he is at Boone and Crockett on the east side. Yeah. And he is permanently parked there. And he does, he's from the Cebu, so a region in the Philippines, and he does a fusion. So there are other ones. I would say we're probably maybe the word authentic and traditional is so played out. Um, Maybe we're more so what you would find if you were to go to a Filipino household and be in a kitchen and watch what they cook and eat. This would be it. Or a Filipino party. Okay. Ooh, a Filipino party. Oh, yes. Um. (laughs) Okay. In 2014, when we started, it was being whispered about. It was like Filipino food. Is it the next or is it the next big trend? And I was kind of always like, I don't really understand why people are saying this. Like, how do you not love Filipino food? Right. I obviously have a very biased opinion, but you know, I would get asked that and I'm like, well, yeah, it's here to say, have you had the food? And they're like, yeah, I love it. I'm like, well, okay then. It speaks for itself. Yeah. So 2017, 2018, it was like Filipino, Filipino food, the trend, the biggest trend. Will it find its own space like Mexican and Chinese food has in mm. America? In present day, I definitely think it's finding strides. I think we have a long way to go. And I didn't realize how far we had to go until we did the most recent Food Network show where two of the three judges were not familiar with Filipino food. And they gave back feedback that, you know, something was too acidic and too vinegary and it was like well that's how it's supposed to taste and it was like you know i want more sauce on my noodles and i'm like okay well have you had pho because it's the same concept so that was like a very big realization where i was like because you know if you see a judge on a food network show we deem them as experts in the industry right and what it made me realize is that some of the experts in the industry that I have encountered have no idea what our cuisine is or what it's about. So we haven't reached all levels and that we do have work to do to make it stay. I definitely think it's gaining awareness and traction. Without the business, I would not be as Filipino as I am, I guess is the best way for me to put that. Like, I always loved the food growing up. Sure, That was kind of it. I mean, we were very removed from my dad's family. He's one of 11 from Alaska. Um, That's where my parents met. That's where I was born. And we would go up there from time to time, but we didn't spend a lot of time within our culture other than through cuisine. So after opening up the business, Matt and I really started to dive into the culture and learn more about my dad and just kind of like, you know, he grew up in poverty and we grew up very comfortable middle class. If we threw a tantrum, it's because we didn't get the latest and greatest thing, whereas he wasn't allowed to throw a tantrum and had one pair of shoes for the year. So it was very different. And it made us realize that we are very fortunate here to get to do what we do. Right. 
So can you tell me a little bit on what's on your menu that mm-hmm. makes it so authentic? One, we have the most staple Filipino dish out there. It's called adobo. And what it is, is it's meat marinated in a soy sauce, vinegar, bay leaves, whole peppercorn and garlic mixture, usually served yeah. over rice. You can do pork, you can do chicken, you can do tofu. There's a million spins on it. So that is one of our best sellers with garlic rice. We also, since we started with the food truck in 2014, we try to keep it kind of street food. So we also have um, Filipinos refer to them as barbecue sticks. It's not American barbecue. It's Asian barbecue. It's just meat on a stick that's been marinated and grilled. Those are like our OG menu items. We've had those on the menu since 2014. And we also have egg rolls and soups. And we recently added a dish called Halo Halo. It's a 14-ingredient dessert. I was going to ask about yeah. that. I'm <laughs> so curious. Okay, so this is my favorite dish. It's oh, well over a year and a half in the making in the big battle between Matt and I. Is that Trader Joe's recently started carrying ube ice cream. If you don't know what ube is, it's a sweet purple potato. There's a difference between purple potato. Is it yam? I think it's called yam. I don't really see. I know my Filipino foods more than my American ones. Um, there is a difference between what ube is and what a yam is. Okay. I believe. That's what it's called, or that's the American comparison. But anyway, so they have um, an ice cream in Trader Joe's, and we sampled it, sampled a bunch of others from multiple Asian grocery stores. And I'm like, dude, you want me to pay $13 for a gallon? And this is like, crap. This isn't good. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't what I crave when I think of this. So ice cream makers are under 5,000 or over 15. That's your range you're working with. There's nothing in between either. And so we were like, okay, like this is a huge investment for this one single dish. Finally, we decided to, you know, pull the plug and just do it. And it's been really well received. So it's gelatin, jello, red mungo beans, sweet white beans. We make our sweet white beans in-house. Um, coconut treads, nata de coco, which is referred to as like coconut fat or jelly. If you've ever had a lychee, there's like a cube yeah. in the middle that you bite into and it bursts. Yeah. That is very similar to nata de coco. That's one of my favorite parts. Um, what else do we put in there? Sweet cream corn, evat milk, shaved ice, our house made ube ice cream, lecha flan, like Filipino creme brulee essentially, mm-hmm. and then um, penny pig, which is like a toasted rice grain. And then you just mix it all up and you enjoy it. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's different. Is that available in the truck and in your brick and mortar or? Only the brick and mortar. Only the brick and mm-hmm. mortar. Okay. And would you mind telling us where the brick and mortar is? Yeah. So we're located in the 1125 Food Hall um, off of 9th and Highland at 1125 North 9th Street. There are currently three other food vendors in there besides us. It's right across from the Milwaukee Brewing Company. Okay. Um, 9th Street location. Part of the reason that we wanted to have you on today is to talk about being awarded risk taker for the Jackin Awards. You went, you had this huge risk, right? You went from being at school, being an MSOE, mm-hmm. you're in your senior year, mm-hmm. and you take this leap of faith, supported by family, mm-hmm. but a huge leap of faith. What do you think made you make that jump? What were you, how were you so sure? Yes, there's love and there's wanting to, you know, bring something to the table. But what made you so sure that this was the step that you needed to take? I was naive in my young 20s. Love it. Here it is. Yes, which is why it went the way it did. Because I was like, everyone was like, are you stupid? Okay, one, I'm not the chef. I'm actually like the worst cook in my family. But I can prep. I mean, you need someone to spend 10 hours prepping food for you. Mm. Awesome. You want somebody to cook it, you're going to have to call mad. It's not me. Um, so one, people were like, you can't even cook. And I was like, <laughs> think outside the box. And they were 
just like looking at my parents like you guys are crazy this girl we're all gonna laugh when this fails in a year or two or whatever so naivety played in our favor I had no idea how much work went into a business, let alone a food and beverage industry. I knew that the industry was high risk, high fail, but I was like, oh, whatever, we'll be fine. Why wouldn't we be? And the other part too is that I was 24 when I started and I was still in college at that time, but I had realized that living a life that wasn't fulfilling internally was not something I was going to commit to doing. My mom had always worked 10 days a month, so she was very present in our lives. And she worked a job because she needed something outside of her family to define her. That was very important for her. But it wasn't something that maybe fueled her the way being there for her kids or her husband or being a wife and a mom did. So I realized that I needed that level of identity and passion in my life and that I wasn't going to settle for it. So it was just kind of like, yeah, we're going to do this and it's going to work. And it was just like, yeah, you know, why wouldn't it work? I hear you telling me why it won't work, but I'm like, oh, no, it'll work. It'll be fine. We'll just figure it out. That is so cool. (laughs) That is amazing. So what was your immediate reactions when you found out that you were awarded risk taker? When I was having the day from hell at work, owning your own business is so amazing, so rewarding, and so draining, and it'll break you. The load will break you again and again. Every morning, some days, it does. Um, That's just the realities of business and life in general, really. Um, So I was having this day from hell, and I saw this missed call from um, Mainza, who is the woman who nominated me, and I listened to her voicemail, and she's talking about it, and I was just like, these are the moments that can completely change my mindset and push me through and like get me over huge hurdles that are unbelievable some days. I look at Matt and I'm like, I don't even know how we do this. I don't know how our staff is still with us sometimes. They get us through too. So that was my initial reaction was just like, you know, it was one of those moments where I had to stop and remind myself of everything we've done and overcome and that regardless of the hurdles and obstacles we face, we're still going to persevere through them to reach that next level to continue to obtain our goals and hopefully in a timeline that we feel is, you know, success to us. So that was my initial reaction. I didn't tell my parents, my family. I didn't even tell Matt for a week. I no. just, yeah, because it was just like, it was like, like, yeah, it was the day from hell. And it was also like, It was just a week of just like, you know, hit after hit of negative things breaking, things going wrong, whatever, weather, you know, all these things. And it was Mm -hmm. like we were constantly having to adjust and redo and just we were exhausted, too. So I just like internalized it because I didn't at the moment feel like I really thought I was deserving of it because of how rough work was. Sure. Um, so eventually I told my mom and she's like, Alexa, that's incredible and very appropriate for you. My risk taker child. Um, she's always called me her reckless wild child. And then eventually I told people and they were like, that's incredible. And even until I actually went to the ceremony, I like felt internally conflicted about it where I was like, I don't, I don't see myself as a risk taker. And then after being there, I realized that I assess risk much differently (laughs) than the average person. To me, risk is waking up. To me, what would be risky would be to wake up and go to a job that maybe I didn't hate, but it didn't fuel me. And then to go home to a space that wasn't curated to make me creative, to make me feel safe, to allow me to decompress from a horrible day. Um, It would be to go and meet people that have very light conversations. How's the weather? How's this? Not like, how are you? And I'm I'm broken. Work has broke me. And this is how my soul feels. And they're like, oh my God, me too. And this is what I do to nerd. Like that is risk to me. Um, Risk to me is not waking up and going after your dreams every day. That's just, that's, that's how I breathe my air. That's how I live. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I also think that 
um, there's something about the restaurant industry that just bonds people together and you have these conversations that, I mean, you might be talking about the weather, but you're also talking about some like really deep, incredible mm-hmm. things very mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. It's probably something to do with like the hustle and bustle yes. and you're in this small truck or yep. mm-hmm. whatever, but. Kitchen life, man. Kitchen yeah. life. <laughs> um, what is next for Meat on the Street? And can you talk a little bit about the new risks that you have upcoming and that you're moving on with? Oh, man, what's next? This has been a question I've been asked a lot lately. Um, what's next? So currently we're in the Milwaukee area. We have one storefront in the Milwaukee area. We have one truck. It goes Madison to northern Illinois. We've done a couple events in cool. central. But we are getting ready. Well, we're, we're ready to expand to Madison and or Illinois, preferably the city of Chicago. So that is the next big jump, whether it's pop-ups, whether it's a couple days a week. That is that is the next phase that I think we want. Um, two would be our storefront is great, but it needs love. It needs its own brand and identity, and it needs to be like cooler and trendier and like hipper, I guess. Okay. So that is also what we're working on, too. Pop-up dinners are really big on our list, as well as some like really fun, different like kind of spins on what we currently have doing, I guess, is kind of what I'll, what I'll say lightly about that. So those are the things that we want to do. We've outgrown our kitchen, so we, we need a bigger kitchen, and we know that. We need a second truck, you know, we need a better truck that's not breaking down. It's currently at the mechanic now. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> it's just how it goes. The grill toppled over today when we were driving it, like oh literally my. just poom, and we were like, oh, happy Monday to us. Yeah. <laughs> That's not supposed to be there. It's just how it goes some days. Um, So those would be our next immediate goals. Our risk associated is just we own 100% of our business right now for five years. Yeah, we've self-funded ourselves, which is awesome and horrible at the same time because it's just it's such a struggle. And it really comes down to money is our constraint. So we are seeking funding right now. And we're looking for like six-figure funding, which is... That's a lot of yeah that's a lot of numbers there. Yeah, and it's just kind of, I'm like, well, I don't know what qualifies me. I probably shouldn't say this, but that's how I feel. I look and I'm like, you know, like, hey, can you give me $50,000? Like, ideally, I would pay you back, but I right. don't know what's going to happen to this business. I can't see into the future. I can work my ass off. Sure. but and that's part of the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as what qualifies you, I mean... You've done an incredibly successful business for Thank five you. years. Mm-hmm. You just won this risk kicker award for the Jackins. You've competed in the Food Network show. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. But, and also, you're in a new cookbook. Yes. So there's a lot of things on that resume that prove that you'll be oh, doing thank you. awesome things in the future. Thank you. Um, I'm so curious about this cookbook, The New okay. Filipino Kitchen, yeah. Stories and Recipes from Around the Globe. How did this come about? Okay, so this started, what, it, it was published in 2018. Let me get my years straight here. So in 2016, this guy from Illinois, his name was Ray De La Cruz. Um, he was just this energetic, different guy. He came and he wanted to interview us. And I just pulled photos for a different presentation I did. And w- the most memorable part is he made us jump in front of our food truck in the middle of lunch hour, nonetheless. And Matt, I was just reliving it with my brother, Matt. It, this is when it was only Matt and I. We were the ones who... Our family helped us prep and clean up, but we were pretty much the ones who woke up every morning, got it ready, went out and sold, came back, cleaned up, and mm-hmm. then our family would help us prep at night. It was just the two of us. And he made us do all these weird things for this interview and staged us. And Matt was like, I do not like him. We're never doing this again. I was like, he was fun. I mean, I loved his crazy energy. I was like, yes, I need more. Let me like, let me be a leech so I can take all your energy and like put it inside of me. <laughs> so 
that happened. And this woman in Norway saw this interview and was like, hey, I would love to interview you. And I was like, oh, okay. And so she gave me, you know, all these questions. And, you know, I took I took every interview seriously, whether five people were going to read it or 500. Sure. It, it was a big deal that somebody wanted to hear our words. So I took it seriously and I responded. And our interview with Jacqueline, um, who is the editor of the book, she um ha- or our whatever our interview had the most like social media feedback and hits nice. yes and she after that was like hey i'd love to have you guys you know apply for this book and i was like oh okay whatever i was totally just like this sounds weird and i sent it to my mom my mom's like alexa this is backed by the un the philippines like this is a it, this is a big deal and i'm like big yeah deal. yeah and i'm like yeah yeah whatever so submit the story couple of edits and then like she keeps us updated. We get like, an agent and find a publisher when we finally get a deal. And then, oh my God, 2018 of September is here and the book launched. And I didn't think it was cool until I actually held it in my hands. And I like got to read my words and oh, yeah. see my picture. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like this will live on after me. This is crazy. Oh, sure. But after that, the biggest blessing was that I share these pages with 29 other individuals who understand my struggle who were all in our own different way working towards the same goal and then I've gotten to fly all over the country to do these cookbook tours I've been to San Francisco you know Chicago DC my first time in New York was for a cookbook tour and it was like crazy and wild and it was just I um I'm getting ready to fly to San Francisco for the one year anniversary of it and I finally get to meet this editor Jackie because she lives in Europe so this is our first time meeting in a week I'll be out there but it's just I can't even believe it's only been a year that we've been doing this and talking about it. So that is, it, it, it started with this random guy from Illinois that was like, jump in front of your food truck. And like, this is what became of it. So I talked about that with risk taking is that you just say yes. You know, someone's going to ask you to do something and you're going to be like, oh, I can't or I don't want to or like, I'm going to be uncomfortable because just say yes. You'll figure it out later. You'll, you'll be okay. It'll be all right. Maybe you hate it. Maybe you love it, whatever. But it'll, it could set your, the momentum it could set up for you. You have no idea. Alexa, thank you. Again, this was Alexa Alfaro speaking about her business, Meet on the Street, and how everyday risks and just saying yes leads to a lifetime of reward. If you would like to support us, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast feed to help other Milwaukeeans find our podcast and take action in our community. Also, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. Listeners, if you're tuning in before November 13th and November 14th, please join us at both the Political Open Mic, Wednesday, November 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Central Standard Craft Distillery. This version is on privacy, policy, and public investment in tech. The next day, Thursday, November 14th, we'll be hosting PodFest MKE at No Studio starting at 2 p.m. with the education portion about launching, marketing, and leveraging podcasts. And the entertainment portion which starts at 5 p.m. featuring local podcasts live. Hope to see you there. If you've missed those events, not to worry. Check us out online at bridgethecitypodcast.com. My name is Casey O'Hollick, and as always, let us know how you have helped bridge the city. Bridge the city, whoa, whoa. Bridge the city, yeah. Bridge the city, yeah. Gotta bridge the city, the city.